floats it over the top, bounces into the hands of Scully. Oh, oh great finish. Great finish from Blaine Scully. That should be it. It should be Corner's game. It should be Corner's trophy. It should be Europe for the boys. Champion triumph. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardiff Rugby Life podcast. Um, it was a long 18 months where we were sat at home watching on TV and I thought that was the longest period of my life. Turns out I was wrong. The second half against the Bulls on Saturday was actually the longest period of my life. Um, we'll have, unfortunately have to have a look back at that game. There's also stuff coming up about the rags. We've got the Wales squad for the Autumn Internationals has been announced and we've made a first signing of the season which in the second week of October is pretty good going for us, to be fair, as well as a preview of this weekend's game against the Sharks. But we will start on Saturday night at the Arms Park. A few long strides, Williams. And Scump keeps that back line moving. This is Owen Lane. He's a try-scoring machine. He's gone all the way through. That's absolutely brilliant from Owen Lane. So a 19-29 loss for Cardiff against the Bulls on Saturday and from a half-time lead of 16-3, that's pretty catastrophic stuff from Dai Young's men. It was a decent enough first half, I thought. We were pretty good defensively in particular, strong over the ball, won three or four penalties that way, uh, didn't really give Bulls much of a sniff when they were trying to attack. And then when we attacked... We look pretty good. Uh, our offload rate was really high, which was great to see us keeping the ball alive. We ran some really nice variations off nine, including uh, bringing lots of forward carrying options. Lloyd Williams worked the fringes uh, really well. We also had particularly Josh Adams uh, working around the fringes, uh, coming off his uh, his wing into midfield, which kept the balls alive on the inside. And then when we did move to the outside, we had that offload game which uh, was particularly good with guys like Ray Lilo and Will Boyd linking up in the outside channels. Owen Lane was looking good at that point as well. We did what we needed to do, really. We mo moved a, a big Bulls team around. We kept the ball alive. We made our way downfield, uh, put pressure on them. They conceded penalties. They made mistakes in defence. We got our chance in the, the red zone and we went over through Matthew Screech, which was really well-worked red zone attack from us. It was, you know, comfortable stuff, I would say. There was no real concern, I don't think, at halftime on, on many people at the Arms Park that the Bulls were going to come back into it in the way that they did. Obviously, you expected a bit of a backlash from them because it wasn't a great first 40 minutes from them. But, you know, I think, quite simply, they won the tactical tweaking battle at halftime. They came back out second half and they were a lot more direct and a lot more compact in their carrying game. They got guys quicker to the breakdown. They, you know, just basically went straight to the point A to B stuff. You look at the try they score immediately after half time, which finishes with the tap and go and driven over. But before that, you know, they make 20 meters in the space of just a couple of phases by literally just getting their big guys running hard and straight to our defensive line, getting their support players a lot closer to, to prevent us getting any sort of jackal presence there. And that's it, you know, we, we've started to be bullied. On the back of that then, I think... Our confidence went down and down and down as the half went on. We started playing way too deep in attack. We left the offload game out altogether. We stopped running with any variations off nine. Um, our kicking game wasn't fantastic. We made poor decisions when we did have the ball. You know, there was a period, I think it was about 54 minutes, somewhere around there, um, where we have possession in the opposition red zone. We go... We push up quite nicely with the, the driving mall, takes us just short of the line. 
And then we start playing off nine, which I don't like when we do in the red zone. I, I just think if you're within that five meter line and you're going to play a short game, you may as well just try and pick and go to start with. And then even if that doesn't work after four or five phases, you've dragged the defense in enough so that there is a bit more space to play wide. But we kept playing off nine, kept playing off nine. Then we did go wide and Willis Alhola makes the wrong decision by trying to bring Ray Lilo short, turn the ball over and balls go up the other end. So... You know those those moments are key in games, and I think that that period of red zone attack in the second half was so different to how we played it in the first half. It didn't work. It underlined just how poor our confidence was, and I think that's you know that's the the one thing that I really took from Saturday night is if we want to try and compete this season, because you know I I can't sit here and say oh no we can compete up front in this way we can try and match them physically. As Dai said, I think he called them the biggest team they've ever seen, the uh, biggest team that he's ever seen, that ball squad. They were massive. I mean, when their seven ran out, he was bigger than anybody in our pack, and that's their open side flanker. So, you know, the side, you've got Marcel Cortia looked like a normal size human stood next to some of them. He looked massive in that Ulster team. So, you know, that's the sort of level you're competing with here. And, and to do that with a, an undersized squad, but one with a lot of skill to it, a lot of speed to it, a lot of fitness to it then you have to be brave. And I don't. I know some people said that we looked leggy. I, I don't think we were, though. I think we, we were fine fitness-wise. I think we just literally sort of had the puff taken out of us in, in many respects. You know, we, our shoulders dropped. Some of the body language was quite poor. And we just did not recover from that at all. And it points a little bit to the leadership, a little bit to the fact that maybe we're a bit nice and... You know, the Sharks were getting up in our faces. Uh, sorry, not the Sharks, you call them that. The Bulls were getting up in our faces. They were, you know, in the referee's ear a little bit as well. They were just doing little things just to turn the game. And we're quite nice and friendly, our guys. You know, we've got some experienced guys there. And obviously, you know, Josh Turnbull's the leader now. Lloyd Williams is there. Kirby Myhill there. But they're not, you know, big, shouty, follow-me-into-war type guys. They're more follow my example and you know i'll have a little word with you here and there so that's a little bit of an issue for us but above all that we just need to be brave we need to in games where maybe i'll be beaten up a little bit around the fringes and at the game line say right we're still going to take the ball to the game line we're still going to make offloads we're still going to try and play quickly but we're not going to be afraid of the fact that you might hit us every now and again or the ball might go to ground every now and again you know our set piece was pretty good throughout the game Line out faltered a little bit, but Scrum was there or thereabouts. It wasn't the same as the Ospreys week before, where we were getting pinged every time in that sense. Um, when we were moving the ball a bit more, there was space on the outside. We were just playing too deep to really capitalise on it. And and in the end, you know, we we just didn't offer anything. We just that was I think that was the most disappointing thing in the second half is that we fired zero shots in attack. I don't recall making a line break. I think I noticed one offload we made in the second half. And if we're going to compete as a smaller team, it's got to be a lot, lot better than that. There are positives to take. As I mentioned, I thought the scrum was very good. I thought our general attack in the first half was decent as well. I think some players individually stood out. I thought Reese Carey had one of his best games for a long time in the 60 or so that he was on. And arguably, once again, um, was taken off too early. I think he could, he could have stayed on for another five, maybe ten minutes. He was going well. I didn't, didn't see the need to change him at that point. I thought Will Void was also very, very good, particularly in the first half, where he got a lot of joy over the ball. Um, it's great to see him back. Obviously, he's had such a tough time with injury over the last sort of 10, 11 months, and he's 
come back into the squads, obviously caught Dai's eye and jumping ahead of guys like Shane Lewis Hughes and uh, Ollie Robinson in the pecking order, so good for him. Um, but aside from that, not a huge amount to write home about for the Cardiff squad on Saturday night. I think it's one that's just going to have to be consigned to the doldrums and uh, we're going to have to try and move on from that. Obviously, a couple of sore bodies on Sunday, I've no doubt, but hopefully they are patched up and ready to go again this weekend. And we'll have a look ahead to the game against the Sharks on uh, towards the end of the podcast. Molotika waits. Molotika is brought down by Henjak. The arm is out from Alan Rowland. Here's Felice. Richie Race gets it out. And Cardiff go through. And Cardiff score a try. And it's Jamie Roberts who has got it for Cardiff. Moving on to happier times from last weekend then, and it had started in style on Friday night as Cardiff beat Pontypridd 29-15 in the Indigo Group Premiership Cup with a bonus point win keeping us top of the Eastern Division. It was a fantastic performance all round from the Rags, I thought, um, barring a, a 20 minutes or so period at the start of the second half where Pontypridd did just edge their way back into it a little bit. Uh, we had a yellow card for Theo Evacqua from a, a, a penalty try for a Maul as well. Um, which didn't help and we were on the back foot just as they, they came out with a little bit more desire at the start of their second half but overall we just had way too much quality I mean first half we played some really good rugby the try the first try of the game particularly where Dan Fish finishes it on the right hand side in the corner the phase play building up to that is very very good stuff at this level to keep the ball for that long to always be moving forward I, I would have thought every player on the field uh, in blue and black touched that ball on the way through and then um, not something you see too often from Dan Fish, but a bit of a close-range drive over from him to finish it off. But he, in particular, was was fantastic for the Rags on Friday night. And you know, you see some comments. I saw some Pontypridd fans. Uh, there was one comment I think before from them, uh, from one of them, that said, "Oh, you know, I wouldn't want Dan Fish running my back line, no, not at all." And then you see some comments from Cardiff fans saying, "You know, is he still first team uh, registered? He should be playing fullback for our first team in the United Rugby Championship." But I think personally, I think he's in a fantastic place now. Obviously, he is still registered for the first team if need be, and I believe he does dip in and out of their training. But his main role is as an academy coach and uh, a skills coach with them. And then he also plays for the Rags, and I think he's their attack coach as well uh, on the weekend. And so, you know, for young guys, particularly in and around him on the field, Ethan Lloyd at uh, scrum half, guys like Ryan Wilkins... Um, and Joan Evans in the centre, Jacob Beetham at full-back as well, Luke Scully when he's fit at a fly-half. To have him on the field and talking to them, talking them through the game, experiencing in-game situations with them and then being able to review that during the week and work on stuff in training, you know, that's invaluable for them. And and we know, you know, Fish is a bit of a cult hero and there's all stuff about, you know, whether people can understand him because of his accent. But from what I hear and from what I've seen as well, to be fair, you know, he's, he's got a fantastic rugby brain and he's a very, very good young coach. And so I think it's a perfect role for him to be playing week in, week out for the rags, to be bringing these young guys through, but then also available there so that if there was an injury crisis or, you know, an absolute crisis of form in the first team, then he can step up and still do a job. He's not as absolutely rapidly quick as he was in his early days and before he had that serious hamstring injury, but that rugby brain still puts him a yard ahead of quite a lot of other players, even at the top level. So ideal stuff from him. Um, the rest of the team looked really good. I was really impressed with Sean Moore in the second row coming in from Pontypridd over the summer. 
I don't know how much work he's doing with the first team, if any at all. But he look as a, a former Wales in the twenty cap just one a couple of years ago. He's, he's around twenty two, twenty three. I think looks pretty big guy, about six three, six four. Must be over hundred kilograms in that boiler room. You think if he has a bit of time to to train full time with the first team, he might have a chance of stepping up and following somebody like James Ratty through. Um, and I also thought at fullback then, at the end of the pitch, Jacob Beetham, the young academy player who won his Wales under 20 cap last summer, had a very, very good game. Um, very composed under the high ball. His kicking game was superb, and his counter attacking game in particular. You know, I think we've seen a fair bit of him under the high ball for Wales under 20s and his defensive stuff. Haven't seen much of his counter attacking game at that level though, but he beat the first man every time he got the ball on, fr uh, on Friday night. And so if he can carry that through because I think he's played quite a lot of his age grade and sort of junior stuff at fly half so he's still relatively new to 15 as I understand it if he can keep building from that base then he's got a bright future in the game no doubt um, I also want to make a note about Ben Burnell the Pontypridd fly half is obviously a Cardiff Academy player as well but playing with, uh, with under his old man up there at Sardis Road this season uh, looked not his best game I don't think from what I gather from reports he's played better for Pontypridd over the last few weeks but you know he's clearly got something about him I think he uh, runs the game particularly well considering he's only 18 19 years old he strikes the ball so well you know you just look at him I think that's that's a natural footballer at 10 whether he's um, kick passing across the field whether he's kicking for territory or trying to just clear the ball He's getting a lot of distance, a lot of accuracy on that, which is really nice. And and the thing I think I took away from it is that he needs to back himself a bit more. A couple of times, you know, it opened up attacking-wise where he could have got that attack moving a bit more. And it opened up for him to run as well because he's clearly a good athlete. Um, just needs to have a bit more confidence in himself and go for it. But the the try that Pontypridd scored early in the second half where Benel spots the option to come round onto the, the blind side, brings Dale Stuckey, the winger, with him, and then Stuckey runs a lovely line off Bernal. You know, that's all Bernal creating that. And to have that vision and that execution at that age, it's um, what I always say about players coming through a premiership level is that if they are making it look too easy, then that's a really good sign. You know, that the best players are the ones who look like they're way too good for that level when they're young. The last player you saw like that was probably Ben Thomas. Max Cluellin before him, James Botham as well when he was playing for Cardiff. So now Ben Bennell starting to do the same for Pontypridd that just 18-19 bodes really well for his future. Uh, but for the Rags, really good stuff. Um, strong up front, clinical in behind and then a masterful tactical kicking performance late in the game from Dan Fish to get them going. And I think it bodes well for the season that you know before the game I was concerned about the, the amount of first team players dropped into the squad and that in previous years that has been an issue for us where Pontypridd may be a bit more up for the game and our guys are a bit more just about getting game time but the fact that Alid Summerhill and Max Llewellyn and Scott Andrews in particular dropped into that Rags team and didn't look out of place they looked like you know they were they've been part of the squad and they've been training together for some time is really good in terms of the the proper link up as two teams and one club the Rags and, and the first team so long may that continue um Always a tough one this weekend, going up to Merthyr. They haven't had the greatest start of the season, um, but Steve Law's men uh, will certainly be wary of the the threats that they have. I, I understand that Merthyr are a very good team up front this season. They're lacking a little bit in behind, but you know Cardiff teams and going against teams that are strong up front is, is not always a good thing for us. So if we can match them there and then uh, get our chance to play a bit in the backs, then hopefully we'll give them a good game on their plastic pitch. But 
great uh, to keep the confidence going for that team and, and hopefully they can kick on and win a bit of early season silverware in this Premiership Cup before the Premiership proper starts in December. Gerald Evans, and there's a bit of space on the outside here for Macaulay Cook and he's charging and he's driving hard. Great work by the replacement and it's Dave Ward who tries to turn that ball over. The advantage here to Cardiff and it's home to twists. So the big news of the week then, and a precursor to the Wales squad, because that will be a slight giveaway to this otherwise, is that uh, Thomas Young is coming back to Cardiff next summer. He's returning to the Arms Park ahead of the 2022-23 season from Wasps. Uh, he obviously came through the academy and the age grade stuff here, made his debut 2010, played a handful of games then up until 2014 when he was released with his progression somewhat blocked by obviously having guys like Josh Navidi and Ellis Jenkins there at the same time, plus Sam Warburton was still at the club as well. So he went off to Gloucester initially and then has spent most of the last uh, seven years or coming up to eight years now at Wasps where he's played well over 100 times and I think he holds the record for the most tries scored by forward in the professional era at the club as well. Um, obviously, So I'm recording this podcast on... Wednesday afternoon so I've woken up this morning looked at my phone and it said that Thomas Young is going to be selected for the Wales squad that he's had they've had a special dispensation to pick him because he's coming back to Cardiff next summer and my first thought was if you draw up a list of positions where Cardiff absolutely do not need to sign any new players number one is open side flanker and then there's a massive lit gap before you find whatever number two is so I couldn't quite get my head around it with you know we got uh, still got Josh Navidi and Alice Jenkins at the club. We've got James Botham, Ollie Robinson, Will Boyd. Uh, we've got Gwilym Bradley coming through the system. Alex Mann is a Wales under-20 captain there as well. Ethan Fackrell. You know, we've got plenty of sevens. But I suppose if you take a second to think about it, there are some things that count in his favour. The first of those is that he's a very good player, Thomas Young. He's been one of the best players in the Premiership for the last four or five years. He's been a key part of Wasps uh, squads that have made Premiership finals in 2017 and 2020. He's obviously very athletic, by, as you can see by his try scoring record. He's got a lot of power in his carry and more than some of our current open sides have got. So he does add to the power of the pack, not taking it to right where it needs to be, but it's an addition nonetheless. He can play eight and six, so he can play right across there. Is Jacqueline superb? He's a very good lineup forward as well. He's an international quality player, and essentially they don't become available very often. We don't get many Welsh qualified players wanting to come back to Wales, so when they do appear, they're not to be sniffed at. You know, you have to consider taking on these guys, even if they're in a position where you've got relative strength, because you're always looking to improve the strength of the squad. Uh, the other thing that plays in his favour is potentially if he's picked in the national this national 38 um, that is covered as part of the the payments to the professional clubs from the Welsh Rugby Union, they pay what is the equivalent of 80% of their wages on top of the money you're already getting. So in effect, we would only be paying Thomas Young 20% of his wage from the current budget available. Um, we've got a little bit of opening there from where Corey Hill left as well. So we do have that money available. And the likelihood is, and I'll come on to this in a sec, but we, you know, we all know that we have to strengthen other areas in the forward pack, but they are almost certainly going to come from outside of Wales and be non-Welsh qualified players. So we have to foot 100% of that bill. So if a player becomes available where we only pay 20% of his wages from our current budget, then you know, from a business point of view, that that is a big tick in in favor of signing that player um the other thing is then and you know this is probably for another podcast where it can 
set aside time to properly delve into this because it's already getting on this podcast and I haven't talked about the Wales squad or about the Sharks game yet. But there's going to be an overhaul of this squad over the next 18 months or two years. Die Young is going to want to get it to grips with it in terms of shifting on some players he doesn't want in the squad anymore, bringing guys in. Um, I saw there was the interview with Peter Thomas in the rugby paper uh, just before the season started where he was saying I think that the squad is currently around 53, 54 uh, members and that they want to bring that down to somewhere more around 45. So, you know, players are going to move on. That's going to mean that there are openings for other guys to come in. And and the likelihood is that the players who are at risk are sort of 25-plus-year-olds who aren't internationals, um, who are on decent money, but, you know, we do have other options there. So Ollie Robinson might come into that uh Will Boyd might come into that. Maybe Alan Lawrence if he doesn't kick on massively this season. I think Sam Moore's got question marks because of his, just because of his fitness as well. You know, if those guys do move on, uh, you move on two or three of them, and you bring in a Thomas Young. It slims the squad down slightly, but you get a lot of quality as well, and then you free up money to to be, uh, booster elsewhere in the squad. So, you know, it's it's all about a balancing act, and and that's the thing I'd say is that this is the first thing we've announced in this recruitment window, and we never announce stuff this early. So first of all, let's say thank you for announcing it early to the club. Whether they've been forced by the WIU because of his selection uh, is another issue. Let's let's just take it at face value that they wanted to, they would have done this anyway, even if he wasn't in the Wales squad. Um, but you know, there's going to be a lot more stuff over the next few weeks and months where players will be announced as leaving, and we'll certainly be looking to bring others in. I think Dyer said today that you know that we're looking at several sign-ins. So let's not immediately go to well, that's rubbish. We signed him because we need a hooker, we need a lock, and we need a number eight. Let's just give the club a chance to work stuff out. And I think over the next few weeks and months, then we can properly assess how we're doing in terms of recruitment. But that, that's all I'd say is that on itself, Thomas Young, excellent signing. It does need to come with other signings, though. Uh, let's give the club a chance to make those. Moving on to the Wales squad then, and Wayne Pivak has announced his 38-man squad uh, for the Autumn Internationals against New Zealand, Fiji, South Africa and Australia. It's a Wales squad that obviously uh, has a lot of players missing through injury, um, some senior players as well. There's no Justin Tipperick, there's no George North, there's no Josh Navidi, there's no Lee Halfpenny. A couple of guys have, have missed out as well, potentially with their own fitness concerns. You know, Scott Williams is only just back from long-term uh injury and so hasn't been selected plus we're not really sure what's happening with Reese Patchell at the moment either um, Jared Evans presumably misses out because he's hardly played at the start of the season because of his chest injury so um, in terms of the squad itself I think he's pretty much picked the strongest squad available to him I think there are some players who are unlucky to miss out and perhaps I would have had but I don't think they're they're so nailed on that you know it's you know an absolute disaster that they're not involved or that it makes the squad materially weaker in any way I think Nicky Smith will be unlucky to miss out at a loose head, whether that's in place of Reese Carey or in place of Rodri Jones. Um, I think Matthew Screech was slightly unlucky to miss out in the second row, and I am a bit surprised that it's Seb Davis who's got the nod ahead of Screech uh, as part of that second row group. I think in the back row, Jack Morgan and Tommy Raphael, uh, both you know playing very well, both young guys. It's not a case that I would have selected them over anyone in the squad. It's just a case that you know they're playing well and they're unlucky to miss out because we're strong in that department. 
Um, I think Lloyd Williams has played very well. I think Roger Williams has done all right as well in the early part of the season at scrum half. Uh, Jared Evans, obviously, we know what he can do. He's been unlucky with his injury. I think Scott Williams probably is the right decision to leave him out, but he's still been playing pretty well. Um, and then in the back three, I think Jonah Holmes will feel that he was unlucky to miss out. And he's probably the one who I would think, looking at the, the back three as well, with Liam Williams included, but a question mark over his fitness. And we're not too strong um, at full back without him. Plus, Lewis Rees-Samet included, and he won't be available for the New Zealand game because he plays in England. Uh, I think adding Jonah Holmes and making it a 39-man squad probably would have been sensible. But on the whole, it's pretty decent stuff. Great to see 10 Cardiff players in there. We've got Reese Carey, as I mentioned, Dylan Lewis, Seb Davis, Ellis Jenkins, Thomas Williams, Reese Priestland, Willis Halaholo, Ben Thomas, Owen Lane, and Josh Adams. So, fantastic representation from us. Um, we'll preview the Autumn Internationals a bit closer to the time, but all in all, good stuff for Cardiff, and it's looking as good as it can be for Wales. Looking just to drive them back, but Dacey's in a good position there. Very well played by Christian Dacey, and as they're expecting a second drive, the hooker has snuck over in the corner. So we finish the podcast this week then, looking ahead to this Saturday's game against the Sharks, Cardiff hosting at the Owens Park on Saturday night, a 7.35pm kickoff. And the Sharks come into the game off the back of a win against the Ospreys last week. It was... Not the greatest game I've ever seen, has to be said, but uh, the Sharks you know, did exactly what they needed to do. They sort of did what the Ospreys did to us a little bit the week before, where they did everything they needed to do, uh, to do to win the game and came away comfortably victorious. The, particularly the halfbacks ran the show. I think, uh, obviously, we know all about Ruan Pina from his Ulster and his South Africa days. You know, massively experienced guy, uh, great kicker, great leader, uh, great decision maker, and he showed all of that last weekend. And then Bota Chamberlain at fly half is a very impressive character. Not somebody I've seen before, but uh, his tactical kicking in particular is very, very good. And obviously his uh, his drop goal prowess from the goal line dropouts was well publicised over the, the last few days as well. So um, they were very good. I think their pack is, obviously it's physical, it's a South African pack, but it's slightly different from the Bulls pack in that it's a little bit more athletic. And it's uh, got a much higher skill level as well, I fancy. Their offloading work around the fringes, the breakdown. Uh, and then also when their forwards got into the backfield, then they were very good heads-up rugby from them, trying to keep the ball alive, trying to move it into the, the hands of the danger men out wide. So our defence around the fringes, the breakdown in particular, has to be very good. I think there should be a slight tweak away from focusing on the breakdown. As I mentioned last week, you know, I think we should be focusing on getting set around the edges and coming up and inflicting pressure with our line speed rather than totally with our, our breakdown work. I think that could ask questions of their handling and hopefully get inside their heads a little bit, just sap their confidence like ours was sapped uh, over the last two weeks. Um, then in attack, it's difficult to say exactly what the Sharks' defensive weakness is because against the Ospreys, you know, the Ospreys did not fire any shots in attack last week. Uh, you know, Against us the week before, they'd done all their damage with the forwards and then didn't have to play with the backs. Well, last week they tried to do all the damage with the forwards, didn't work, and they still didn't play with the backs. But it was noticeable that at times, when they did get a little bit of a platform up front, there was opportunity for the Ospreys to play wide. The Sharks did end up quite narrow. There, there was sort of four-on-two situations in the wider channels. And unfortunately, I think Gareth Anscombe is still, you know, is a little bit protecting himself and he's still maybe a little bit rusty after his injury. And the guys outside him, um, whether that be Tian Thomas Wheeler or uh, Owen Watkin, are not 
fantastic in fantastic form at the moment. Don't think Dan Evans is playing particularly well at fullback either. So their attack wasn't really functioning in terms of uh, taking advantage of the the space and the overlaps created, but. You look at some of the attacking situations that the Ospreys got in last week, and if you can picture the Cardiff backline there in form, playing flat to the line uh, and keen to get their danger guys in space, I can picture us getting a bit of joy there. So I think bringing back those variations around the, the edges of the breakdown for us will be key, particularly with our forwards. I thought um, when we challenged the Bulls' outside uh, initial defence, their third or fourth defender, with a three-man carrying pod in the first half last weekend. We got a lot of joy with that. I think that option is there again against the Sharks and that we can then move into the space created by that if we get around the corner quicker. Um, and I thought the offload, the little pop passes, worked quite well as well last weekend. The The Sharks will try and hold us up in contact. They also, I think, are a better team over the ball than the Bulls were, so we'll have to be... Uh, very accurate and physical in terms of our attacking breakdown work, getting tackle players to the ground, getting the ball available quickly for the nine to get the ball away. Uh, but if we do that, then I think we've got a great opportunity for our back line to kick on. Now, team selection-wise, uh, tricky one in terms of, obviously, there's now getting to the point where you start to manage your players a little bit. And then I think also maybe Dime might have an eye on next week's game against the Dragons, where... The 10 players I mentioned earlier in the Wales squad will be unavailable, so we might have to maybe bring some guys involved this week who will be playing next week just to get a bit of their match sharpness up. Um, in terms of the pack, I don't don't foresee a huge amount of changes there. I think the front row will be roughly the same. Um, I, I do wonder if maybe the time has come to try and go full-on athletic and expansive with our pack selection and pick two sevens at some point, whether that means... Uh, something like pushing James Ratty up into the second row at the expense of Seb Davis or Matthew Screech, presumably Seb Davis, and then maybe moving Turnbull round to eight and picking, because uh, obviously Ellis Jenkins will come back in this week in place of Josh Navidi, so picking Boyd and Ellis Jenkins on the flanks then just to bring their uh, link play in the wider channels on both sides and really try and expand that pitch for us is an interesting thing. I don't know if Dial will go for it necessarily, but I think it should be considered. Otherwise, um, as I said, again, as I said, pushing Ratty up, bringing Turnbull to eight, and then maybe bringing Shane Lewis Hughes in at six just to add an extra ball carrying and physical edge to our pack so that we can try and get a little bit closer to them up front uh, before playing into the wide channels is, is also a potentially an option for Dai. Um, into the backs then, and I would probably bring Thomas back in to start at nine and, and really try and threaten around the fringes with his footwork and his little snipes and darts. Um, and then at ten, I'd start Ben Thomas and uh, it's not a slight on Priestland necessarily I think he's done alright his tactical kicking has been pretty good and you know, he's, he's playing pretty solid 6 or 7 out of 10 I just think we need somebody who's really going to go flat and challenge the line who's, who's going to take the ball them up themselves if need be as well who can make a line break with their own footwork and pace but he's going to uh, he's got the the creative, natural creative ability and the confidence to stand a little bit flatter and, and really try and get that back line moving and get the, the wider forward pods over the gain line as well. So for me, Ben Thomas at 10 with Jared Evans uh, still not back this week. That allows then, I think, Halaholo to come back at 12. I would keep Ray Lilo at 13 still. Um, 
obviously our best player. It's, it's tricky because you would like to see Max Llewellyn probably get some game time before almost certainly having to start against the Dragons next week. And you'd also think that maybe his sort of direct hard-nosed running style would suit quite well uh, the way we're trying to play in terms of he could come up on first phase, get over the game line, and then we can try and play off him into second and third phase. But I don't think there's there's quite a way to fit him in this week. And then the back three, I'd like to see a change where I, I wouldn't pick Amos this week. Um, I would pick Josh Adams at 15, and then I would pick Alid Summerhill on the wing to add three you know, real dynamic attacking guys coming onto the ball. It gives Josh Adams that freedom to pop up pretty much where he likes in attack. He's played fullback for the Lions in the summer, and he's played there a couple of times for Worcester as well. So he's got experience in that uh, position, uh, both defensively and and certainly in attack. And then with Summerhill there, you know, it's just an extra bit of speed there. That Hallam Amos has gone all right, but he's just not quite adding that edge and attack that I think we would need to have this Saturday to go 80 minutes of playing high tempo and expansive stuff. So. That's the way I'm going with it. We'll see what Dai's team is when it's named uh, on Friday lunchtime. Uh, just a note to remember that you will need this COVID pass thing or a proof of a negative lateral flow test to take to the Arms Park on Saturday night if you want to get in as per the Welsh Government guidelines. If you're going up to Merthyr with the rags on Saturday afternoon, making it a double header, enjoy that. Uh, if you're going down to Arms Park, have a good night on Saturday. If you're watching on TV, I think we're on Espedwarek on Saturday night. But as always, come on, Cardiff.